in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melbarnes, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome, all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Dustin Melbardis, and joining me today is my good friend, Chad Robinson. How you feeling today, Chad? I'm feeling great, Dustin. You know why? Why, why, why would that be? Because we have a new guest. We have a guest. Isn't it nice to have a nice guest? Yeah. Uh, we'd like to welcome Matt Empfield from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How are you? Dustin, Chad, it's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate you having me on the podcast. Yeah. Anything out of the ordinary happened recently? Anything seem like a strange coincidence or do you happen to notice anyone following you, Matt? I, uh, I'm not willing to talk about that on a uh, online podcast. <laughs> there are trackers on his car. Yeah, keeping some of the secrecy about it. Cool. We always start with a couple warm-up questions. Uh, and at first, I'd like to uh, to start with... This, this movie that we're covering today, it has something to do with a conspiracy theory. Let's start with you, Chad. What's the funniest conspiracy theory you're aware of? Lizard people. Anything with lizard people. I don't care whether it's Congress, some other shadow government. Lizards wearing human suits. That's my favorite. Full-size lizards. Yes. Yeah, yeah and that's just it. Is, uh, I was actually talking about this this weekend. Uh, the idea that... Um, one of these has got to be true sometime, right? Is I, I, I'm almost like, I'm almost betting that, uh, would, I, would I want lizard people to be true? Oh, I so want lizard people to be true. Yeah. We've, we've talked about Animorphs. I feel like somewhere we could mention Animorphs and lizard people. K.A. Applegate, we love you. Uh, but this is not Retro Book Roundtable, uh, as Brian is not here. It is uh, Retro Movie Roundtable. Hey, uh, Matt, tell me, what's the funniest conspiracy theory you're aware of? Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of like to take this opportunity to clear up the fact that I don't think there's anything funny about conspiracies. I think it's a very serious matter, and uh, we need to look into these things as a society and make educated decisions. So if anyone has a slow night out there, check out the Georgia Guidestones or the Denver Airport. Be in for a ride. <laughs> the truth is out there. The truth's out there. Yes. Just gotta look it up. Yes. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. I mean, when, when it, <laughs> uh, especially because this movie we're covering, which has something to do with a conspiracy theory, actually kind of inserts a lot of humor, even though you had just said maybe we shouldn't treat it with all this humor. I, I'm going to say my, I, I have two nominees. Uh, and at first, I'm, I'm just going to be very brief with the first one, which is that I think uh, ChapStick is a big scam. ChapStick does nothing for you. It never has. And it's just money making. Uh, I, for instance, have never had chapped lips when someone says, oh, my lips are chapped. So I don't know what that is. And so they go and they put ChapStick on. And I think to myself, what are you putting on, on your lips? Like, oh, this helps me with my chapped lips. I'm like, well, you just keep that on you all the time. They're like, yeah, I'll need it tomorrow or something I'm like so what to me, you're putting something on your body that is going to re-chap your lips, whatever that means. I just think it's a big money-making scam. 
And we just lost our uh, our Carmex sponsorship, so thank you, Dustin. We're more of a Burt's Bees guys anyway, even though I don't think anybody needs it. Does this make sense to you guys? Do you guys use ChapStick? It's right in front of me, yes. You you fools. <laughs> uh, and the, the, the second one is actually, this is not my conspiracy theory. Uh, this is one uh, I first heard from Bamani Jones, who uh, oh, has yes. a nice podcast called, I think, uh, Real Time. Uh, he used to be on... Um, not Bill Maher, real time. It, it's a very similar name. But I think I first heard it on Around the Horn back in the day. But his is that Stevie Wonder isn't blind. You heard about this one before? <laughs> no. I mean, that's not a theory. <laughs> it's not a theory? I, what, what, what info do you have on this, Matt? I mean, why do you think he wears the glasses all the time? Because <laughs> it looks cool. So I love it when the proof is simply a question like, well, why does he wear the glasses? He ain't blind. I believe the only proof we have is that uh, uh, at one of these Grammy shows where, you know, it's not just the presentation of the awards. We also have like musical acts. Stevie Wonder's playing the piano and then like Alicia Keys walks by him and he has the most notable double take of like, ooh, look at that walking by. And then he quickly goes back to, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to see that. Or Alicia Keys is just that good. Yeah. Alicia Keys. <laughs> she radiates Audience. beauty. Oh, truly. And she's been recently doing the no makeup thing, and she doesn't need it. And, hey, you don't need the chapstick either. Um, you know, we've been talking about conspiracy theories. Chad, you do me a favor and tell me, what's the movie we're covering today? We are covering the movie Conspiracy Theory from 1997. Yeah, Conspiracy Theory. Starring Mel Gibson, Julia Roberts, and Patrick Stewart. Released in 97, a budget of $80 million, and it grossed $137 million. It placed 16th in the box office that year. The movie that placed ahead of it, Flubber. <laughs> and the movie that placed behind it, Scream 2. Deserve better. We are big Scream fans here. Matt, you're with you're with the uh, you're you're with your scream heads. Me me and Chad both like scream, and you're also here with the Julia Roberts heads because yes. this is what our third Julia Roberts movie. It is, yes. Sounds like a conspiracy in and of itself. Yes, we're gonna get them all. <laughs> we're gonna get them all, and uh, as far as collecting movies of a certain type, this is also, I believe, Chad, our third wheelchair chase movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> It is. <laughs> Let's give it up for our our newly appointed. We didn't know that we were your champions for this, but we are going to watch every wheelchair chase movie. Mac and me coming up. Just just for uh, <laughs> posterity, have any of them have had stairs yet? Though I no no. This is the first set of stairs. The last one had a terrifying catheter. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah a born lot, on the Fourth of July. A lot of screaming. Yes. You, you don't see many wheelchair chases on stairs. So no, no. Glad we could introduce something new. Mac and me has a wheelchair chase over a cliff. Ooh, right. Doesn't sound and like hey, it did well. Mel Gibson screaming in a wheelchair going downstairs. Nothing comedic about that at all. No. The number one movie that year, Men in Black. Mm. Another movie about some type of agency that's watching over everything. The IMDb rating is a six point seven out of ten. The Rotten Tomatoes critic score is 57%, and the audience score is 64%. So a little middling there. And it did not win any awards. Let's start with our guest. Matt, had you seen this movie before? Oh, absolutely. This is a classic. 
classic. Well, and I think we we likely we we asked you of uh, like what movies you wanted to do, and you submitted this among others. Uh, it you you consider it a classic, or you just felt like this is a great movie to delve into on the podcast? Uh, I'm gonna go with both. <laughs> go with option both. Yeah, I I had a very um, small but distinguished movie collection in college, and this made the cut. Dustin knows all about that. He is. You are back up to one DVD in your collection. Is that correct? I, I have one Blu-ray. Yes. Which is, uh, which was given to me last month. <laughs> I did not buy it. Um, a coworker of mine really wanted the digital copy. The, the a coworker of mine really wanted the digital copy of Dune, so he bought the Blu-ray and the digital copy, and he was just like, "Well, I don't need this. You want it?" I'm like. Sure. I guess my movie collection has now doubled from one to two. Chad, have you seen this movie before? I hadn't. I I will go further. I'd never heard of it. So, yes, yes, this was brand new to me. I'm always down for new movies. Do, audience, don't lose faith in our Julia Roberts <laughs> fandom. No, of course, we, we are going to cover them all, even the ones we hadn't heard of. Uh, I, I, had, I had seen the movie poster and I'd actually caught a little bit of this sometime in like the early 2000s, maybe on USA Network, something like that, where it was on. I really had no idea what was going on with it. When I rewatched it this time, I thought to myself, like, I think I was confusing it with maybe another movie I had seen, like 12 Monkeys or uh, something else. I, I, I really, like, I, I knew I had seen pieces, but yeah, this was my first full, like, critical watch of it again. Now, it was a classic of yours, Matt. What were you expecting coming in now that you were watching it with, like, the purpose for the podcast? Uh, I think the uh, <clears throat> the thing I focused on the most was making sure I now know all the words to Can't Take My Eyes Off of You because I thought there may be a musical rendition during this podcast. I did confuse him by carrying out my bass guitar as he entered the house. I got excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frankie Valley, famous for <laughs> shredding on that bass. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to point out there's technically two renditions of the song in the movie. So. Yes, yes, yeah, and and yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, is it? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It, it's the uh, the Fugees, or is it just Lauren Hill? Lauren Hill. Yeah, just Lauren Hill. Yes, just Lauren Hill. <laughs> kind of yeah. minor key, depressing version of oh, it. Oh, it brings everything home. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it is it is odd, I guess, for uh, at the end of this movie when uh, when when we this is of course a, a a recurring song throughout the movie. We start with it, we end with it. Uh, I don't think I I am used to hearing the original song transition into a cover of the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this was an interesting one. And coming off, I'm coming off of Peeping Tom, which is also very focused on can't take my eyes off of you. So this is running theme for me. Eyes led to murder in the last one. So we'll see where it leads here. Uh, si- since you had never seen it before, did you have any type of expectations at all? Did you, did you, did uh, Matt clue you in as to like what the movie was about or did you go in completely dark? I went in completely dark other than the cast. I saw the cast was like Mel Gibson, Julia Roberts and Patrick Stewart. How am I not more aware of this movie? And I was excited for the cast. Matt did warn me. He's like, you may think less of me after this movie. So I, I don't. I, I think no, no lesser or better of you. I'll take that as a win. Yes. 
Yeah, that's a win. <laughs> yeah, staying steady at flat. Yes. Yep. that's a win. Yep. Yes. <laughs> that's a win. That's a win on the retro movie roundtable. That's for sure. The floor was very low. <laughs> so uh, this movie is twenty five years old. Do you think it holds up, Matt? Yeah, I, I think it holds up. Uh, I think you have some uh, some major star power there. I think you have a wonderful plot. It's based on a true story to some extent. So what's not to love about it? 25 years old. Don't do that to me with 1997. Like, I don't I don't need that context, Dustin. Yeah. Like, that was 13 years ago. Oh, oh. oh no, it's not 2010. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess for your for your uh, for your first watch, Chad, do you feel like this holds up? I think it can. Yeah, it it reminds me a lot. I was getting a lot of like born identity from this movie. They they kind of seem a little bit parallel. So yeah, I I think it's in the same vein and holds up. You you guys almost uh, you almost missed the opportunity to attribute this to Julia Roberts. You gentlemen know that. Why is that? Apparently, they offered the role to uh, Winona Ryder. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, Jodie Foster actually turned it down. So yes. th- we're looking at probably third fiddle here. <laughs> That's all at right. At least that, that is what we are meant to think yes. happened. Yeah, excellent point. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm going to go three for three. I also think it holds up. I think there's, you know, maybe it was like my love of the X-Files and the lone gunman characters in mm. that show. Maybe it was just, uh, I mean, when when we asked about conspiracy theories, I led with my own. Now, I don't think any of my friends would say, oh, yeah, Dustin, he's a conspiracy theory guy. But I do eat him up. I, I really like uh, the the I- idea behind culturally some groups of people believing something is true in this sense, like with, with no proof. We, we did get kind of a fun reference to some some very secretive government stuff in the past, and we'll get into that a little bit. But I guess we'll, 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 we have to know, like, Matt, this is, uh, you said it's a classic. I mean, is this like a top 10 movie for you? Ooh, definitely top 15. Wow. <clears throat> I, I'd, have, I don't, I'd have to do some thought exercises there on top 10. That'd be, that could be a tough call, but I'd wow. say it's, it's close. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, yes, thank you, Owen Wilson. <laughs> yeah, Owen Wilson, we need to, <laughs> we should have been in this movie. Chad, did, did you enjoy it? First time? Did you watch it a second time? I didn't get a chance to watch it a second time. No, it, I can truthfully say it's not going to make my top 15. Mm. It, it's somewhere mm. in the realm outside of my top 15 movies, but I have seen a thousand horror movies. So I, that's just, that's the start of it. But, but yeah, it, it's, I think it's an interesting popcorn flick. Like for me, this is the type of movie that it's in the realm of Transformers where I need to turn off my brain and just get some popcorn and chill out rather than I came off of a very cerebral movie for Peeping Tom where I'm analyzing different things. And I kind of had had to shift gears and just say, you know what? All right, we're going to see some people get chased by a shadow government agency. That's cool. Yeah. Matt, has your opinion of Chad changed uh, based on this answer? I mean, there's there's a little bit of lost respect here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because what what I what I'm picking up is that we are now grouping together born identity transformers and conspiracy theories into <laughs> the same group of movies. 
I think it's even more unsettling that his only time watching this movie, he, he turned his brain off. I don't know that he got the full experience. Yes, well, our our listeners have come to expect absolutely nothing from me, and I have <laughs> I have rewarded them ever since. Now I'm going to flip my brain on for the rest of this podcast. And uh, listeners, uh, before we continue, we have to take a little break and shout out some of our like our podcast friends. Uh, but you know what you should do? Watch this movie. Turn your brains on. Uh, watch this movie because when we come back, Chad is going to spoil the movie. He's going to give a great plot summary and he's going to spoil the plot. So uh, we don't want that for you. Turn the podcast off. Go and watch this movie. Come back to us when you're done. Maybe your brains will have been switched on too. And we'll see you after the break. What happens when two modern film fans go back and rewatch all the old classic films from yesteryear to see if they hold up? You get the Classic Film Jerks podcast. Find the Classic Film Jerks podcast on all the major platforms. Welcome to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And every week we review a movie from the past and reflect on things we miss, things we loved, and things we want to see again. Yeah, because we believe any movie worth watching is worth watching again. So if you like films, friendship, and a lot of callbacks, I mean, just so many callbacks, then subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever RSS feeds go for like-minded, movie-loving individuals like you we are back and it is time for a plot summary just one final reminder before you tread any further that we're going to spoil this movie right now take it away chad jerry is a paranoid conspiracy theorist who drives taxis in new york city he publishes a letter on his various insane ramblings and mails them to each of his five subscribers Unfortunately, Jerry remembers something he shouldn't and is abducted by mysterious forces. He escapes after biting the nose of his captor and rushes to lawyer Alice Sutton, who he's infatuated with. Alice dismisses Jerry's incoherent ramblings but is convinced to switch his medical chart at the hospital, and the dude who receives Jerry's chart is murdered. That technically makes Alice an accessory to murder, but... Let's just forget about that since it's really never revisited in the plot again. Jerry is attacked in the hospital and once again escapes. Alice starts to think there's something to what Jerry is going on about. She calls each person on Jerry's list, but all save for one are now dead. Jerry confesses that he's in love with Alice, but she becomes repulsed after finding out he's been creeping on her while she works out. It's discovered that Dr. Jonas, the last <laughs> remaining subscriber and the mastermind behind all of this, has brainwashed Jerry as a part of the MK Ultra project to make him an assassin. I mean, Ted Kaczynski and Siren Siren turned out just fine, so why not? He was sent to kill Alice's dad, but makes friends with him instead. Jonas has the dad killed, and Jerry promises to protect Alice. Jerry is captured again, but Alice escapes via her cardio training. She rescues Jerry, who kills Dr. <laughs> Jonas, but he's mortally wounded in the process. We skip forward and find Alice staring over Jerry's grave, leaving a pin Jerry had given her on a gravestone. She begins riding horses again and discovers the pin she had left at Jerry's grave attached to her saddle. She smiles and rides away. I will I will specify my, uh, my wife makes fun of me for this, apparently in West Virginia, we pronounce the word P-I-N and P-E-N the same, pen and pen. They're the same word. 
It's different in different places. So what I'm saying is P-I-N, like pen it to your shirt. It's not a writing utensil. I feel like you said lawyer weird too. Uh, what? Lawyer? You, very, you, you enunciated the law, lawyer. Lawyer? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, Again, I, I don't like it. I am a West Virginia <laughs> bumpkin. That's fine. Yeah. Welcome to Retro Pronunciation Table, yes. where we are going to talk about pens. <laughs> I've been I've been through West Virginia. I've, I've heard about them pens. I was asked if I had a PNC out on my desk. Yeah, yeah, it's pen and pen. They're homophones. Everybody else is wrong. And teller and teller who doesn't speak. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you mentioned Matt. You mentioned that uh, you know conspiracy theories are really nothing to laugh about. But I got to say, the first forty. 50 minutes of the entire movie, but especially the first half. What do you take on this effort towards like a comedic thriller? Uh, again, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I think I miss the humor in all this. I mean, we see a reference to the CIA's Project MK Ultra, which was a real project that they attempted. Yeah. Lasted, it started in 53, right? Goes all the way to 73. So you see a 20 year, uh, pretty messed up project here. Never would have found out about it if it wasn't for the Freedom of Information Act. So, so you're on board with an earthquake killing the president? I there do, do some homework here. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is I guess we can make this hard pivot. Is this something that is like fascinating to you? Things like these government programs like MK Ultra. I actually read some um, what's the word uncovered documents. Uh, uh, some uncensored what is it not like uh, where, where certain details cannot be revealed but other documents were revealed redacted on both thank you on uh mk ultra and project artichoke it mm-hmm. sounds like this is a this particular part of it regardless of whether they made a feature film about it or not is something that's like of big interest to you wait hold on before he answers this project artichoke predecessor Okay, I Chad, I got this. He turned his brain off, and yes. this is what happened. I'm I missed yeah, I, this I, loop, I, but that is the lamest assassin program name of all time. Project kind of a point. Uh, oh, not if you hear about it. I, and, and, well, and really, it's it, it if if you haven't heard about it, I'll, I'll give you some details. But I'm thinking that maybe Matt has the details, or at least these are things that he's spent some time like enjoying the history of. I mean, before, before uh, I tell you things, I would have to kill you afterwards. Can, can we discuss for one second, does, does Patrick Stewart just, it seems like he's often on the scene when we're talking about mind control. Am, am I the only one that came to that conclusion? It, you did point it out to me. You spoiled most of the movie before I gotten a chance to watch it. Yes, but uh, <laughs> he's texting me things. Like, oh, no, I haven't I'm, seen it. I'm I, just saying, there's something there. I was lax in my jaw, but you were correct. Professor X is, he yeah, should be... I, suspicious i'm starting to think there's something up with that man yeah typecasting i have a feeling that if they were to call him professor j it would have been a little too easy to make the connection between professor j and dr jonas so they switched a letter up maybe not you know a a little lazy but we hadn't made that connection until 2022 uh they're doing something right you know I, i i still if if it's something that you uh that you that you don't have a huge interest in we'll move on not please happy to uh happy to discuss cia has done some messed up stuff well yeah yeah without a doubt i think i think the movie alludes to it right yeah yeah but mel gibson's ranting on and what made me laugh he's ranting on the new world order and around this time period was the nwo and wrestling i grew up a wrestling fan 
And my parents made me throw away my NWO t-shirt, my black and white (laughs) NWO t-shirt, because they were afraid that wrestling was part of a global conspiracy for this unrelated new world order taking over things. And I'm still a little sad about that. I Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, he just passed away. Rest in peace, Scott Hall. Yeah, rest in peace to the bad guy. So that... That makes me incredibly sad. And I was reminded when he's going down this rabbit hole of New World Order. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I got uh, in the crosshairs of this by liking wrestling. I think we have some uh, already brought up. Georgia Guidestones in Denver Airport. New World Order is into artwork, from what I understand. So it might be closer than you realize, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Hulk Hogan is capable of any type of conspiracy other than getting his daughter a reality television show. And uh, also uh, destroying the Deadspin blogs. Uh, oh, yes, yes. That was a lot of the yeah. money for the Hulkster. Well, I mean, you reference the NWO, and I think of things like the Illuminati. I think of things like, uh, let's take other comic book franchises like Hydra. Mm-hmm. Um, my very first episode on this show was the Adjustment Bureau. Yeah. What what is your Chad? What's your general opinion on movies with this overarching they slash them? Oh man, I I'm gonna be the wet blanket here, and they don't particularly work for me. The one that was really really bad for me was JFK, but that's because I have a history background, and base they embellish things that shouldn't be embellished on, and it frustrated the absolute heck out of me so i i torched that one at our end of year rankings i wasn't i was actually pulled from that episode this comes up a lot of chad was pulled from episode for being just unreasonable and cranky and cantankerous but yeah yeah so adjustment bureau was another one that it didn't work for me but you know what did work for me very well was invasion of the body snatchers so that's kind of shadowy alien replacement and nobody believes them so it it can definitely work for me it's just you're next you're next so where where do we stand on war of the worlds the tom cruise one i did not like it sir i love the book but this is uh this is not retro book roundtable as dustin has sadly (laughs) informed me (laughs) they were allergic to me sneezing though i i don't think they're invading in the time of covid like they're out fair enough yeah covid saved us from war of the worlds part two i don't know you heard it here first, folks. COVID saved us. What about <laughs> you, Matt? Uh, your, your your general opinion on... And you can just talk about the they or them in this movie. Or you, maybe you could just share some clarity on, uh, you know, Dr. Jonas or uh, the different groups. I believe that Jerry mentions the, the initial agencies, CIA, FBI, and then he goes IMF, the Impossible Mission Force. Like the they or them in this movie is this is this something that you really dig? I, I yeah, I'm all into it. There's a there we, we call them the three letter agencies, right? So they're out there. They've got their fingers in a lot of different things, and uh, the more we uh, the more we look into it, the more we learn. The higher the chances you are to be marked off a list. Uh, that that is also true. Yes. Who, who do you think Alexa works for? I yes, Siri. Yes. They all work in the same office. <laughs> I, I like being able to fly, so <laughs> hey, all three-letter agencies on the record. 
No, I, I thought this uh, I, again. I thought this movie was. Done. I know Chad brought up the the Bourne identity movies earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Same same kind of concept there, and it seems like he enjoyed them. So maybe some inconsistent reviews here. And Transformers are robots in disguise, mm-hmm. so they're walking amongst us too. Dustin, see, they're connected. Hoover Dam, baby. Boy, you guys are fighting real hard to talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be herded into this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna jump in. I, I guess what, the way I'll jump in is I, I'm I'm gonna have to counter you, Matt. You don't believe that the intention of this movie was to have Mel Gibson's character say a lot of comedic lines in the middle of action movies. You don't think there was any humor in this movie at all? I, I think it was a uh, a sad story of a real guy who finally found love. Yes. No comedy. Yes. Matt is Matt is playing the eternal straight man here, mm-hmm. uh, dis- disregarding the tracking strip and the hundred dollar bill, other things. I see this. This is what it comes down to, though. Here, Chad, I think uh, I think you are finding comedy where there was reality, and that was sort of the problem in the movie, right? So, so our friend Alice Sutton, right? She uh, she kind of treats Mister Jerry as if he's crazy, justifiably. Yes, yes. And here we learn that trust is sort of a fragile thing. As she starts to understand, it goes from crazy and coherent man to, hey, maybe this guy was looking out for me. So, I I did have the question, and it wasn't really clarified. I know there was brainwashing, but was he at any point normal, and they had just completely scrambled his brain with that gravy type substance? I mean, I think I think think we've got to make the assumption that yes, started as a normal man, right? I. I don't know. I don't know if they picked him because he was particularly like paranoid schizophrenic and they could just point him. I don't know. I think this brings up the uh, the idea of, and it's very succinctly put by our Dr. Jonas character, is, is that the project, MKUltra, was meant to turn men into assassins. Yes. And through the, the history, the things that we've learned about it, it, you know, this is through the use of uh, LSD or maybe other types of drugs that affect the brain. You know, M- Mel Gibson's character is yelling out like, oh, no, the gravy. Oh, no, the gravy. Right. And, but, but the idea that he, he once was as normal as anyone else, then he is sent on this task to assassinate this target and are we going to go with the power of friendship and love managed to fight through who he had been turned into is that is that an explanation in this movie the reason why he did not follow through with his uh, mission clearly there's some loyalty at play here as well right yeah yeah that's for sure i i don't know what the dad said to him that made him because it said he pointed a gun in Jerry's face when they first saw each other. I mean, that'll make you stop for the time being. Even an assassin's going to stop when a gun's in his face. But I don't know. They didn't really delve into how they became friends. Did he just have Jerry's favorite beer on tap? Like what? what? It was. It was coffee. Uh, that's right. It was very good coffee. He made very good coffee, which I made sure to brew for tonight's podcast. But I think timeline-wise, right, we we have the situation where Jerry says in the movie, that's where I first met you, was in the courtroom or in the court building during the uh, the 
either the trial or the appeal for the person uh, for, for for that one criminal character whose name escapes me right now. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Walters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank, uh, there it is. Um, so it was in that setting that he was supposed to do the assassination. And instead, I, I believe this is mentioned in the movie, he sees Julia Roberts. Do we have any time on, on whether she's young or is like has decided to even become a lawyer yet? Or sorry, as Chad would say, lawyer. It was it was six months ago. They mentioned that he'd only been around in her life for six months. So oh, there we go. So yeah, she was pretty much the same age, just getting mugged at the time, and he steps in and protects her as a vowel fulfilled to her father. And then proceeds to stalk her and spy on her at night because that's also keeping with the vowel, I suppose. I mean, I was going to say. It's no longer creepy if she it was only six months ago, right? So it, no, that it's, helps. it's creepy at any time. We we do these occasional no, PSAs for... for our listeners. At no point is it okay to pull up to a person's apartment and watch them with binoculars as they work out while saying how in love with them them you are that is uh that is creepy yeah. in any realm psa yes it is creepy in safe. any realm and this is the official position of retro movie roundtable as for our guest uh matt yeah, jury's out um <laughs> now uh as this was actually something the critics mentioned is that mel gibson's portrayal of this character makes him seem boyish and likable Mm -hmm. when in reality the information we have is this very creep stalker stuff. Did you go into, like, when I first saw Mel Gibson on screen, I was at first thinking, like, I enjoy how he's playing this character. But did you you find that criticism to ring true? That he's he's, kind of playing it too likable for what this guy is? I mean, he's kind of the hero in the movie, right? So we're supposed to like him. It's it's one of those things where if he had been Steve Buscemi, this movie would have a completely different tone. But because he's handsome and I, I hesitate to say likable because he had to conduct a seminar on set for things he had done in the previous movie. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, he he's just a very handsome man so you can get away with some creepy stuff I mean, if you're talking, better looking we're talking the actor not the person though right jerry's still a handsome man a very, i think i think his uh genuine interactions with other people is what sets him apart you get you get the uh interaction between him and his uh taxi taxi customers right Yes. Got who, the drummers on the side with the newspapers yes, obviously who, he's a likable guy Building who he sprays with water well it's not perfect well, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like three out of the four did not appreciate that prank where the one guy's just like, ah, that's Jerry. I mean, if, if, it, if they weren't working on the water mains, maybe there wouldn't have been any water spread. Yeah, that was an odd investigation that went to absolutely nowhere. The plot device of, oh, it's not winter. They usually break in winter, right? Maybe oh, maybe there's something there. Okay, there's going to be something under the streets. You know, there's some other subplot. Nope, went nowhere. Well, it, I don't think it went exactly nowhere because we were given some pretty cool like culminating, like wrapping up some things in a bow. For instance, uh, based on his theories, the, the, the rich man in Manhattan that died, that the information in the newspaper said he drowned in his pool in, what, the Hamptons or someplace else? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernest Harriman is the name of this guy. 
that no he drowned but he drowned underneath his buildings because the water main flooded and it had this entire subway platform underwater uh, what what that device i believe is meant to do is show us that no matter the content of like let's let's take the first 6 7 minutes of the movie when he's spouting these like kind of kind of cockamamie style theories to his taxi cab customers Mm-hmm. when he is uh like like it's showing that he's a personable guy it, he he is also barging into alice's office saying something about like you have to protect the president because of this earthquake it's along the fault line he's going to turkey this is gonna happen aren't we're rewarded by seeing that that's true these things happened right you, so the farthest forces out there <laughs> I, I'm still very skeptical of a guy that essentially teleports while hallucinating cartoons, like that poor cab. Well, he had the cab. gravy in him. Yes, yes, he he did have the gravy in him, which is one way of saying it. And he uh, and he bit Patrick Stewart's nose. Yes, of course. Doctor Jonas then says it was a, a. Do- I thought this was some clever wordplay, <laughs> right? Doctor Jonas says, "Yeah, my dog bit my nose," mm-hmm. and then uh, and, I mean that it was sinister, really. And then later on, when uh, Alice is telling a trapped, food face covered Jerry, who's like trapped in the laundry chute, that uh, she says, "Doctor Jonas told me this dog bit his nose." What is what does Jerry reply with? Arf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so he's 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 on to some things, and he ends up, uh, yeah, kind of being our hero, right? With with this, with this plot, I mean, it, it does get pretty. Like, there are many forces at work. Did you find? Uh, I'll, I'll direct this at you, Chad. Uh, when it comes to like a thriller, sometimes you you want to. I I try to turn this part of my brain off, but sometimes you want to try to guess what's happening or like I'm gonna figure this out. Do you do this with these kind of movies? I yes, but this one it was pretty early on i mean when he's getting drowned so i've played the elder scrolls oblivion i'm i grew up with captain picard i know patrick stewart's voice (laughs) so when they're doing this blinding disorienting light and someone's talking to jerry and you're supposed to be guessing yeah this is patrick stewart he has go get james earl jones that's the only other hugely distinctive voice that you could get like wow yeah yeah that Wow, <laughs> that would be a different scene with Owen Wilson. That would that would change this whole movie. Yes, that, there you go. There's your change one thing that changes everything. So it didn't. I I guess there was less for me to figure out at that point, other than what conspiracy he had hit on, and I was kind of hoping it would be a random one in the newspaper. It didn't seem to be any of his newsletters. Or his whatever his ramblings it was just that he was remembering that he was an assassin. Yeah, remembering that he was an assassin, and the, these memories kind of flood back to him. He shares a little bit of this with Alice when they're up at the the father's house. the 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 plot resolution, like how this movie ends. Uh, what did you think about sort of? It, does it seem like a happy ending to you? What do you think about how, like the the choice to end it the way they did, Matt? Again, we see Mel Gibson be the hero, right? He uh, he is able to set his own desire and love for for Alice aside, 
uh, and make way for her well-being. So maybe not the end we were all hoping for, but it's the end that Alice deserved. Yeah, he's he's going to go hunt down and kill more people, which is kind of what you want out of Mel Gibson. Matt, is that what you get out of it, that he's still in use? No, I'm, I'm thinking he's retired. Well, he's clearly going to go hunt down what, the rest uh, of Jonas's organization. I, I, I don't know about this. <laughs> No, he he didn't look like he was in much, uh, any shape to do any much anything at the end of the movie here. Yeah, still Ivy still attached in the car. That's that's a new one. I got the impression that she's not safe until all these other people are dead. So he's gonna go Liam Neeson on them. I think that's what uh, Agent Lowry was for. Okay, all right. That's how I took it. Okay. Agent Lowry's driving him around. He's still wa- observing, protecting, watching over. But uh, Agent Lowry's got things under wraps. Okay. Who does Agent Lowry, uh, real name Hatcher, who does he belong to? Another, I I believe this is a mystery not revealed to us. I was going to say. Yeah, they they don't really say other than someone hunting down Jonas's group. That's the hook. Don't you like that about how this movie ends? I I really dig that, is that I I think the the key to a movie with a uh, a they-slash-them that's out there, the, the key is leaving... A certain amount, and in, in in most cases, a, a large amount unexplained. I like unexplained. It le- leaves your imagination as sort of happening. You two can't agree on what's going to happen at the end. I'm actually of the mindset that he's, I mean, he he's his elaborate plan to get out of his apartment, uh, to have his his you know fireman suit, to burn up all his conspiracy stuff, uh, to his his martial prowess to be able to fend off some of these guys sent to hunt him. Like, he seems to be well-trained, but I, I feel as if he's made, like, he's just going to be, like, advising. As I feel like Hatcher's questions at the end are kind of leading him towards, you are helping me by giving me information, and we'll use more of our resources, now that Jonas is neutralized, to take out some of these other guys. Or is that just me pushing that information out because that's how I saw the movie? Yeah, you... You like the ambiguity? I would have taken the crossover from the number one movie of this year. I want Agent J and Agent K to walk up to Hatcher, shake his hand, whatever. He works for the Men in Black. Answer that question for me, because to me, the ambiguity, I'm I'm a dumb movie watcher. I want some things explained to me. I think this is just coming back to you wanting to be a popcorn movie. Yes, yes, I do. I wanted to be... Optimus Prime, hmm. or a lizard person. I thought I thought it was well, uh, well ended. Any other ending would have been. This, let me put it this way: any other ending, this would not be in my top fifteen. Okay. It gives you some comfort knowing that Jerry, if that is even his real name, hmm. is, don't we see an ID or don't we see something like some official document that does not have the name Jerry on it? I believe it's his uh, taxi cab ID. Yeah, it is a different name. <laughs> It's Raffaele or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Raffaele. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I I I I wasn't tuned in enough to see exactly what that name was. But yeah, just to think that like he he has potentially like some semblance of a life, even if it is without Alice at the time. Well, this mo- movie is making a ton. I'm not a big conspiracy person, but if you are a conspiracy minded individual there's a lot for you in the background that just i had to read about because i didn't know why they picked certain numbers or certain scenes 
like the it makes reference to a Kennedy assassination because he evades capture by running from a Barnes and Noble into a theater. That's where Oswald he ran from a book depository into a theater. They make reference to the Skull and Bone Society at Yale University at the hospital door. It's 322, which is apparently associated with that. Uh, apparently, they have the skull of Geronimo. I don't know why they would have the skull of Geronimo or why that's relevant. Matt, maybe you can answer that. But there's there's a lot of that in this movie. So if you if you are into these conspiracies like this. They sprinkle things in like catnip for you. It's treasure trove. Treasure trove. Yes. Uh, you said you hadn't heard of Artichoke before, right? I hadn't. I, I have heard of Artichoke. I have not heard of Project Artichoke, <laughs> which is a ridiculous <laughs> name, and I'm still making fun of the government. Oh, what a great answer! I have heard of artichokes, dude. I'm not a simpleton. What are we going to bring in leeks now? Um, <laughs> Ramps. So, so uh yeah uh artichoke uh, the the what i had read on it uh was sort of a a detail of an operation have have you heard any of these details before like about project artichoke matt uh, i'm i'm not it sounds like i'm not as familiar with it as you are so please take it away one of one of the things that uh, we're we're obviously talking about brainwashing or the idea that we could turn a normal person into a tool to accomplish some mission this one was specifically hypnosis, and uh, they had taken. Now I, I do not remember. It, like in in my head, I I do think I read that they were two young women. I'm not going to say they were teenagers, but they were they were young. I'm going to say maybe like young twenties, or maybe just like eighteen or nineteen to where like considered adults, where one girl was uh, hypnotized to bring a disassembled bomb into a building now this was not a real hospital it was a built fake hospital but she was uh, programmed to go up to the third floor and go into the bathroom and drop the briefcase holding a disassembled bomb in one of the stalls and then uh to leave and then go go to some other extraction point just just to leave the building and uh Inside the building was another girl who had been asleep, who upon waking up, then went to that exact same room with nothing but like what was essentially, we'll say, programmed into her, finding the briefcase where it was supposed to be, assembling the bomb from these parts, which I guess maybe she had never seen before, and setting off the detonation, which was a fake detonation. But like this was the recount of the details that I had read. Uh, this would have been, I read this in... 2011 perhaps but like those that kind of thing involving hypnosis not not exactly the heavy drugs like these are the kind of things that are scary about this movie or just about this idea in general that uh our government has secrets and they're keeping them from us for chad's purposes if, if you're interested in this subject but would like a comedic twist i recommend pineapple express I I have seen Pineapple Express. Yes. Yeah, I'm familiar with this. And the entire time you're going through all this, Dustin, the first thing with hypnosis is it's they found it's ineffective unless it's something you would normally do or would want to do. Hang on real real quick, Chad. Let me pause you there. Do, Do you work for the CIA? I yeah, I can't answer that. 
I may or may not. But you said they found. Who who is the they here? Can we clarify? Yes, science. Ah, science. science. As far as hypnosis, so I I guess you big science trying to bend yes. our ears. Big anyway, farm. go ahead. I guess you would have to have the one person if they're delivering a disassembled bomb. That may be something that they might not have normal objections to. But the whole, entire time, and here's where my ridiculous moronic brain is going. Couldn't we just train monkeys to do this easier? I mean, can we just get a chimp, one chimp to carry a briefcase into a bathroom and another chimp to assemble it? I don't know. I don't, I don't know that they're going to let chimps badge in in some of these. Uh, I, some of these. This was an unsecured facility. Yeah. I don't. I don't. You know. try to stop a chimp if they're on a mission, <laughs> right? Yeah, I've seen a chimp <laughs> rip a lady's face off. They could. No security guards. <laughs> stopping that what is it dunstan checks out and now we're on to planet of the apes <laughs> no i was going with dunstan checks out yeah, it's in a different direction adorable <laughs> movie about a chimp that absolutely did not maul a small girl <laughs> i'm i'm this is my persona or i guess my general opinion is um i feel like romantic love is inserted into movies where it doesn't belong but after our stalking first 40 minutes mm -hmm. and then our i mean apparently she tolerates his presence because of you know save saving uh, her from the mugging their relationship did grow on me throughout the movie uh matt did you find that like this was was it too quick of a turn or did, did or did you feel like uh you know at the end when you know when she's holding his body that like that you could feel that connection I think they played it just right. I think they didn't get too heavy on the, the romantic side. I think Jerry proves he's not a creeper with his conduct and interaction with her throughout the movie. And uh, obviously he gains her trust by the end of it. I feel like they absolutely should not have made out while being pursued by someone. That seems like an obvious mistake. Like run first and then kiss. I mean, he's in love. What's he, the man to do? He, he uh, Run <laughs> run first she had proven a, a runner she can outrun bullets which that guy i had a problem with that scene like he gets shot through the head in front of her which whatever but bullets go through things that guy either <laughs> had the world's thickest skull a metal plate in his head maybe he did this big science again yes yes this cia he had a metal plate implanted so he he's told to chase women but they just kind of, the guy that shot him was like, oh, well, I, she's, we know she does cardio. She's, she's gone. They don't have vehicles, helicopters. And Jerry says you've never seen her run. I, yes, that, that was the biggest Chekhov's gun of like, we're going to show her <laughs> running down a treadmill. This will be relevant later. Ugh. You weren't satisfied with that line? I was not. I was not. <laughs> uh, that was not the payoff I was looking for. Well, speaking of trust, it's sounding like it's sounding like you trust Jerry as the hero. It makes me think like you trust that the the things he's saying are right. Or is there any amount of the things he's? I'm not going to say babbled. I'm not going to say babbling nonsense. But like, as a as a viewer on this character, Matt. Do you trust Jerry as say, as telling the truth all the time? I think I find people who are willing to provide public evidence of what they're claiming versus those that are trying to hide their deeds in the dark. I tend to trust trust the former rather than the latter. But he says he can't prove anything, and that's what makes a 
good conspiracy theory. He says they're unprovable. Yeah, but there's enough tidbits along the way that you should be suspicious. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I do appreciate anyone that rigs up the Home Alone paint cans in his own apartment. So he clearly had learned from Kevin McAllister. I, I did confess you you uh, were previously asking about the first time I watched it versus the most recent time. And I, I do think I got some home re- renovation project I'd like to take up now. Yes. Yeah, you're going to put a beer bottle above your, your front uh, door? We already do that. Yes. Do you think it was the purpose of... The line in the movie, after he torches his own apartment, one of the guys working for whichever agency it is says, yeah, he made sure to burn up his whole apartment while the rest of the building remains completely safe. <sighs> is that is that said to have us like like to, to assure us that, yeah, you want to root for Jerry? He's the good guy. He's man. a good guy. He's the good guy. He hung his spatula back up after smashing a cockroach. He is a monster. Clean that, sir. One less cockroach for I, the world to deal with. It is one less cockroach, but you got to clean your spatula after that, man. I like to think whatever he was cooking was hot enough. Just disinfected whatever was left on that spatula. Oh no! Oh no! Let's let's go ahead and jump in with another one of our retro movie roundtable <laughs> PSAs, ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, uh, non-binary, whatever. Let's go ahead and say, clean your tools after you smash a bug with them, right. especially in the kitchen. Yeah. Cockroach is a delicacy in some uh, societies. Uh, I'm I'm sticking with that PSA. I did appreciate it. It was something I've never really considered, although I was just about to say I feel bad for John Wayne Gacy, which is absolutely not the phrase I should use. But he he mentions the assassins. You always get middle names, but serial killers, you only get two. It's like my immediate thought was John Wayne Gacy. He was a serial killer. We know his middle name. But everything else he brought up, he's bringing up Lee Harvey Oswald. And we know the... John mid- Wilkes Booth. Yeah, we know their middle names. And so that was an interesting little tidbit of his. But yeah, let's clarify. I don't feel bad for John Wayne Gacy, but it was a weird <laughs> omission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this will be on well, the internet forever. Sympathy for serial killers. We saw inside of his apartment chad tell me about how like uh mel gibson played this character like in all of like this i mean it's it's written that he's like this but all his little idiosyncrasies uh was there anything that you like liked about the the overprotection you know a locked refrigerator and inside the refrigerator more locked things how, how did that like for the first time seeing it how did that like impact you that just seemed wildly inefficient, and I think I would just order Chinese takeout every single day. I'm, I'm not a paranoid conspiracy theorist, though. I, the bottle does enough. Like, can't we just have the beer bottle? I like that trick. That was fun. So I, I don't know why he needed all the redundancies with the extra locks and especially the fridge. I guess he doesn't want his stuff poisoned. I was say, at, at the risk of uh, Chad having to edit me out here. I bet you Vladimir Putin's refrigerator looks very similar right now. He just, yeah, he's very into it. He just fired a thousand people close to him because mm-hmm. he's afraid he got, he would get poisoned, which, yeah, that's historically Romans, all their emperors, they had to replace their consuls and their, their bodyguards because the easiest way to get replaced was to be killed by your own guards. So I think Jerry's, I mean, it's just best practices right now. 
I feel like the bottle was enough. Like the bottle was, that is the coup de grace of security. You know, ADT, we're going to put them out of business, just a beer bottle above your door. Not a toothpick. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like he would be someone that eats very clean and only gets his water from like particular places. I mean, he doesn't trust the water in the city. We know that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that also makes me think where, where, you know, what, where does he get his water? Because he, 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 I, I like the way he delivered that line of when, when he offers Alice a drink and she says coffee if you have it. And he perks up like, yeah, coffee. We like coffee. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting delivery. And then he, um, he, you know, he, he goes to his unlocked thing. He can't, he's, he's a little too, would you say smitten? He's a little too like anxious because, you know, the girl of his affection is inside his place. He doesn't want to ruin it. And he forgets the combo to the coffee. But yeah, I mean, I wonder where he sources his water to be absolutely safe about it. Mm. Um, yeah. But he, 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 but yeah, I feel like he would uh, be extremely careful with where he eats. But then he's also got like his streetwise friends, you know, like like the the bucket drummers or you know whoever the other guy is who gives him a newspaper because Jerry will pay him tomorrow. Like he's got his own little network. I think this this movie had a like a small central cast and like would you have liked to see any other like cohort of jerry's matt like like could could there have been another character other maybe it's like a street guy that we got a little more on like somebody that maybe brings jerry his news i think the uh, sad truth here is that was his cohort. I don't. I think any more side cohorts, and Jerry's starting to trust too many people for his character to be believable. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah, if if it was a a broader amount, then that's just more likelihood that somebody could be uh, turned. Exactly. He kept his uh, he kept his circle tight. Yeah, and it did make me kind of sad. I mean, <laughs> when he said that he only has five subscribers. Uh, to his newsletter. Yeah, as a podcast, we know that pain. <laughs> I, I noticed something about like the acting in this movie as we progressed through it. It seemed like the first hour or so, I think we were really focused on Mel Gibson alone. But then we, we had uh, sort of some other, even very small roles, like Hatfield. What, what was, or not Hatfield, Hatcher. What was his, uh, what was his agent name again? Lau- agent Lowry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lowry. Yeah, how how'd you like his role in that? Did did he seem like he was? Uh, like, could you ever get a pin on who he was? Or sorry, a pin. Did you ever get a pin on him? Uh, like as like throughout the movie, even I feel like that was a surprise to me. Like like toward the end, I feel like you're inserting some Tennessee into my accent that is not there. But yes, I I could not put a pin into where what side he was on, whether he was a good. Good guy or bad guy? I think that was the intrigue for me of which side is he playing for, and I like the scene with Alice where she she pulls the gun on him and says, "Who do you actually work for? Do you actually work for this agency?" He's no. <laughs> I think I I was I was all right for him to be a bad guy. Like yeah. I sort of figured he was going down with his peers in the beginning, in the chaos of the first uh, hour of the movie or so. So first time I watched it, for him showing up at the end, definitely a surprise. Yeah, and I think a, a satisfying payoff. I, I at first when I was watching this movie, I thought to myself, would I have been happy with a, the very simple, just like you know, visiting the grave 
and it just kind of ending that way. And then I thought maybe what I would like best is seeing Mel Gibson or seeing Jerry roll down the window and look out without that romantic because it's like a full four or five minutes of explanation after that. <laughs> maybe we could have shortened that up a little bit to tie a neater bow. Hey, when you pay but, for um, Frankie Valley royalties, you've got to get your fill. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Part of those four or five minutes is just humming a song and singing that song. It's a great song. Yes. A buddy of mine uh, that chooses that song during karaoke and he kills it. Mm. But yeah, uh, what, what what other, like, were there any other acting performances that kind of stood out throughout the movie? We haven't talked about Patrick Stewart really at all as far as, his, like, his as an actor. Matt, uh, aside from our good guy that we're rooting for, who what else stands out in this movie as far as acting? I, I quite, quite frankly, I, I think uh, Patrick Stewart was a little bit of a dud in this movie. I think he was kind of forgettable. That's actually fair. It, he plays a villain in a movie called The Green Room, which is excellent. And I recommend everyone check it out because he's terrifying. But here, I love Patrick Stewart. But to Matt's point, if he had been replaced by anyone else... I don't think I would have missed his presence. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, as far as replacing somebody in the cast, there might be space to talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Specifically with that character. Um, Well, and, you know, bringing up, you know, our our actor, like what we like about him. And uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Richard Donner and uh, his long list, the late Richard Donner. I think Mm -hmm. he passed uh, about 10 years ago. There are movies here that have to stand out in his filmography. I mean, I think of them all, I might say that 1988's Scrooged is my favorite of them. But I, I also really like Maverick, all of the lethal weapons here, uh, The Omen. And I guess, I, I don't know if I've said it publicly, but I am not a fan of The Goonies. Oh, no. Uh, do you, do any of you want to talk about like Richard Donner or, or anything about like his his other works that you're like you know what now that I can add conspiracy theory to like yeah this is a like I can I can kind of feel what he was going for. Well, I think I found this tidbit, and I think it it does weird things to me on my perspective of this movie, and then I'll talk about the others. The screenwriter was found he was just on the side of the road holding a sign that said we'll write for work and for money and richard donner pulled up and said explain yourself and he goes i'm a screenwriter and he said well boy have i got a job for you and we get (laughs) this movie so take that as you will but i yeah 1978 superman which is an all-time classic the omen the goonies i You've besmirched that for whatever reason, and I hope our podcast listeners don't forgive you. I hope they hold a grudge. (laughs) Lethal Weapon Scrooged, he just has so many great hits out there. So I didn't realize I was a Richard Donner fan, but apparently I am. I I have to confess, I'm not a big movie buff, so I just recently learned who Richard Donner was. However... Uh, 16 Blocks was probably also in my top 15. That was another uh, college movie cut. So find out that he directed both. Uh, I'm, I'm gaining some respect for the man. No, that's great. Is is uh, it, I'm also not a movie buff. I'm more like the everyman of our normal hosts. 
I, I see I've seen the fewest movies. I know the fewest like facts about uh, movie production. Um, so I like to I like to come into these to these movies uh, and you know not not really know much. But when you do find a director like this guy didn't really miss that much. Um, and it makes me think like, you know, I, I maybe would not have ever taken a look at 1985's Lady Hawk. <laughs> but con- In- interesting but consider- point on Lady Hawk when uh, Mel- when Jerry is trying to evade capture and he runs into the movie theater. Lady yes. Hawk is what is playing. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah, true. That's right. Well, you know, I-, I had meant to ask this earlier, and I'll-, I'll ask this maybe as our as our final question of our little general segment. But as far as were, were there any other references in this movie that you wanted uh, that-, that stood out? Because I've got one in like a very particular one that I remember. Uh, but uh, Chad, you went through a bunch of them. Matt, were there any other like either just other movie references or running gags or just like conspiracy theory references that you wanted to point out? Ooh, uh, excellent question. Uh, I'm going to be disappointed and say no. I don't, I don't think I've got anything else up my sleeve for you here. The one for me is the the eyes being held open a la A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a nearly exactly the same, and that must have been an homage. You couldn't be that similar without it, and and I thought doing it that way was uh, was like worth it. I I, I thought that was pretty neat. <clears throat> and the other one I wanted to bring up was uh, I, I had kind of mentioned that like oh, how much trust do we really put in Jerry? He's 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 not meant to be uh like even though he is our hero like the, the things that he says it's not the content it's just the the perhaps the way his his speech is a little scattered because his brain is a little scattered this sort of portrayal as someone with a compulsion a compulsion to purchase a book and if he can't if he doesn't purchase the book he needs to seek it out and buy it did we get anything i i think we have one little clue as to like somebody having the book by jd salinger a catcher in the rye on like his person when found do we have any info as to like like what greater meaning that book had or was it just a a a a, a character choice like oh, th- this guy his compulsion is to buy this book i wanted to ask both of you this did that stand out to you at all because it, it's it was like mystifying to me first i'm going to go back to the retro book round table and say this is a terrible book and doesn't deserve the fame (laughs) i'm going to take out catcher in the rye but i think the illusion was that all these other assassins who had the book on them because they go through quite a few i think the implication is that jerry's recalling his training and this was a mark of mk ultra so they they were making the connection, at least to me, that these other people were involved with government assassin-type programs, and this was a common thread of them. Yeah, and I expound upon that, that maybe even there was some sort of encrypted code using the book that would allow them to mark their uh, targets or something along those lines. Yeah, I, I thought that too. I thought that too, but I, I didn't have... um anything concrete or anything that I, I, I was willing to submit as, oh, this is for sure what happened. But once again, I, li- I like not being entirely sure. I feel like this is the movie where you can make wild speculation and it's okay. And, and it's clear he's, he does, uh, he specifies that he has never read the book. So yeah, 
Yeah, do you like Catcher in the Rye? Not really. Not particularly, yes. no. Well, you know what we do like? We like going through our movie superlatives. You ready, Chad? I'm ready. Matt, I'm going to start with you. Uh, can you give me your MVP of this movie? I'm gonna go just real low hanging fruit here, and I think it's got to be. I think it's got to be uh, Mel Gibson. That's fair. Yeah, almost a one man show here. I think Julia Roberts did fine. Uh, Patrick Stewart, I felt was disappointing, or or at least not memorable. So I think you could you could have removed either of them, and this movie still would have been pretty great. Yeah, and he, he he I think he deserves a lot of credit. That's a good choice, Chad. What about you? Yeah, I went with Mel Gibson as well. I. Th- think with a different actor you run into an issue with jerry where he's harder to like so mel gibson for me he he's the obvious choice i think this is kind of cool because i'm gonna go with 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 what i've heard about you guys and you talk about how he's likable i think i am like joining you and saying like these critics that had described his likability as a problem Get out of town, critics. That made the movie more fun. See, we got a cover. It, 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 I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was ready to do so. I'm glad I could hear that from you. My MVP is Mel Gibson too. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought he, I thought he had some opportunities to to shine with. Um, if if it were a poor job, portraying a character with the compulsions that he had, or or the uh, verbal tics, or the nervousness, it could it could be. A, a real stinker it could be really rough and i think it comes across really well here so yeah kudos to our mvp mel gibson uh matt how about your best supporting actor again i'm uh i'm not doing anything particularly original here but i thought um and i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher this pronunciation but silk kozar adrian lowry uh, again just because of that uh unassuming role where you don't really think much of him in the beginning um, but then he's right there at the pivotal moment in the end Thought he ended up being a pretty good supporting actor. Knoxville zone, Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> um, how about you, Chad? Best supporting actor. Even though I've said he's kind of replaceable, I still went with Patrick Stewart. I I like when he plays a villain. Even though it's a bit of a replaceable villain, I like seeing someone that's typically the stand-up, shiny knight hero be the bad guy. So this is uh, he's my pick. Yeah, that is fun. I like that too. Um, mine is actually, and maybe maybe you would argue it doesn't fit, but mine's going to go to Julia Roberts just in terms of uh, amount of time on screen compared. You could say she's the second lead, but I, I'm going to go with her uh, mainly because in some of our recent forays into Julia Roberts, it can be a little modern, silly America's sweetheart. And I didn't get that from her in this movie. Could that mean it could have just been flat? I guess so. Could it mean that somebody else would have brought more pizzazz? But, you know, uh, like when she's crying at the end, like I felt that. And when she is, her subtle smiles are, one, gorgeous. And two, like that's, uh, th- that takes some training to to be able to just very acutely control your face and, and uh, portray a thing on screen i think she did a great job yeah you can sense uh, that empathy in the beginning when she's everyone else is writing jerry off as the crazy old man but she's sticking with it you know what she's knocking bad guys out left and right and i was a little disappointed in these the shadow organization and they're talking about trained assassins <laughs> but all of their guys are knocked out by a hundred pound woman's elbow 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, people's elbow. Yes, yes. Um, she is. She is a Dwayne the Rock Johnson protege. Uh, Dwayne the Roberts Johnson. Uh, Matt, do you have a hidden gem for this movie? Something unappreciated, maybe a minor element. Certainly minor, and maybe maybe more common knowledge than I I believe. But uh, Richard Donner was actually one of Jerry's passengers in the yes. opening credits of the movie. Yeah. And then uh, I didn't even realize Mel Gibson had a younger brother, but I guess his younger brother was the doctor that allows Julia Roberts to that restricted area when Mel Gibson's uh, handcuffed, when Jerry's handcuffed. So yes. Little, uh, little tidbits there. Some hidden tidbits. Cool. Chad, what about you? Yeah, Matt just kind of answered my question because I knew Mel Gibson's brother was in it. I didn't know who he played. So I, I just said the guy who was the guard at the clinic who Alice bribes. Apparently Mel Gibson's brother. I just like the way he holds up the bill and he says, oh, the Treasury Department. And then he's a nice little nod back to Jerry's ramblings earlier. He examines the bill and it's a bill. The $100 bill, yeah. Yeah, it's a $100 bill and it doesn't have the metal stripe, which is the tracking device, as Jerry <laughs> says. He, he gets a good one. Chad, you said you played uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Yes. I mean, how quickly how quickly did $100 turn him? Not just like you're going to let me go, but he became like a temporary companion. Right? Yes. He's like, oh, all right, I'm, I'm coming with you, I guess. Uh, <laughs> hey, lady, don't break that lock. Well, I guess I'll just stand by and do nothing to stop you. Like right. he was very, like, that was a high persuasion check, we'll say. Yeah, stop right there. Um, 100 yeah. bucks is 100 bucks, though. Right. hundred bucks is a hundred bucks. Um, but speaking of it, I actually, I thought he was more like an orderly. Is the, is that the same guy you were talking about, Matt? Uh, no, I'm talking back in the hospital um, when he is hand, handcuffed in bed and he's kind of making right. a mess all over his face. Oh, okay. It was the doctor earlier in the scene. All right. So this was not Mel Gibson's brother? No. So, the orderly sorry, guy sorry that like followed. Yeah. So ran, random guy I'm giving credit to. He, uh, he should be recognized. <laughs> I just cannot provide a name for it. In fact, I think the 100 yeah. bucks was his payment for that, that scene. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, cash is king. Yeah. Uh, my hidden gem is uh, the... There were a lot of things I wanted to like bring up, like little mentions and stuff, but uh, I, I think one that stood out was there's a security guard in the empty room who was like, uh, well, uh, last night there were a bunch of desks and now they're not. I'm going to go talk to my manager. Like, totally, like, hammed it up for his one line. I'm sure his mom was so proud to watch the scene <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> but, like, I was just like, you know what? This guy's going to get a shout out on the podcast. So he's my hidden gem. Uh, tough one next. A tough superlative next. Uh, recast. Who are you going to recast in this movie, Matt? So this is probably going to be odd since I've spent most of this time uh, praising Mel Gibson, but I'm a big John Malkovich fan, and I sort of think this movie would have been just as interesting with him playing Jerry, and I'd kind of like to compare the two against each other. Mm. I would see that. I would still see that, yeah. Yeah, I like the way you phrase it. Like It would be just as interesting, and, and I think it would. I, I, would like, I, I would like to think of that movie as being... Not actually drastically different, but the tone would have to be different, I think, but still be enjoyable. Right. He's a bit more threatening looking than Mel Gibson, I would think. <laughs> I feel like he's pulled off yeah. a similar role in like some of the Red movies and yeah. some, some of the some of the other movies he's been casted in. And he's done it quite well. Maybe maybe not quite as the uh, maybe not yeah maybe not quite as the likable character as as Mel Gibson, but I think he would bring his own twist to the movie and be good. 
Yeah, and who can't? <laughs> who could forget his incredible line in Con Air as Cyrus the Virus when he's calling out Sai and he fills Anara and <laughs> blows the thing up. Yes, truly awful. Let's move on to your recast, Chad. I even though I thought Julia Roberts is actually the best actor in this film, I'm replacing her, and I'm replacing her with Julia Stiles. I just felt like this is more of a Julia Stiles type role, and that's just it's heavily influenced by the Jason Bourne franchise. Mm. I did think oh, it was okay. interesting. Matt mentioned Jodie Foster was she turned down this movie, and it would have been interesting since they mentioned the the guy john hinckley who was obsessed with her and he tried to assassinate reagan to impress jodie foster so that would have changed the tone immensely if, <laughs> if she's in this movie and they're mentioning hinckley a lot yeah that's that's wild i had i had no idea i didn't know those details yeah please don't try and assassinate a president to impress jodie foster it did not work Let's go ahead and uh, make it a, a a cool three psas <laughs> on retro movie roundtable folks don't assassinate the president. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going to recast uh, Patrick Stewart here. Yeah. Um, and when, when you mentioned Julia Stiles, I thought, like, I wonder if she's too young at this time for 97. But also, we can kind of play around with the timeline as we do this. And I'm going to do that, too. Um, I'm going to put Giancarlo Esposito Ooh, as, like uh, yeah, as, uh, as our shadowy leader, our assassin builder. And I think he was... Um, maybe a little too young because he wasn't quite the age of Gustavo Fring, maybe most well-known as, uh, you know, in Breaking Bad. He's done a lot since then. I feel like his his uh, real shining time as an actor will be uh, more like midlife and later than, uh, than, than most. But, uh, yeah, I, I would have liked to see him in that role. He's so smooth, smooth as Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon is that a, a Star Wars thing? Is he in yes. a Star Wars yes. thing? Yes, he's in the Mandalorian. Is, he is Moff Gideon. Ah, he is a yeah, okay. That that sounds awesome, but it is a TV show, which means I don't watch it. Yes. Only ten year old movies for Dustin here. All right, let's go to let's go to some of our like cinematic ones. Uh, Matt, what's your best shot of the movie? All right, again, I'm gonna uh, display my ignorance of all things movies, but uh, I thought the initial interrogation between the way it was shot, the lights, the confusion, the chaos—I th- I thought that was uh, well, well done. I, I did not appreciate that and wanted a seizure warning of just that was—it was meant to be disorienting. I, I get it, but my eyes just said this is clearly <laughs> '90s influenced, and please stop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I could I could see that really disorienting a lot of people, especially on the big screen. Yeah. Uh what's your best shot, Chad? I thought even though the helicopter wasn't a great effect, I thought the helicopter through the bridge was kind of a fun shot. I thought it had a good chase perspective and Matt is very disappointed in me. We'll get to this. Yeah. Yeah. Did not like the black helicopters. I did like that as a theme, though, because even in the background throughout the movie, it was an early ramble of their black helicopters that they can put in silent mode or whatever. Whisper mode, I think, which was ridiculous. Apparently, that's the one that Matt's not buying into, but their helicopters. It almost caused the movie to lose all credibility. Yeah, yeah, almost. <laughs> it, well, Matt, is that what you wanted to say I, uh, about about it when you said we'll get to this? I mean, 
I, I don't want to steal any thunder here, but if I could change one thing about this movie, the, the, the helicopters got to go away. They were tacky. They weren't well done. I worked on oh. helicopters for uh, the better part of 12 years. So that, that was my pet peeve. Yes. I, I work for a bank, so I just do claps. I'm like, helicopter by bridge. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I see you sitting on your couch and just like pointing your finger out like, <laughs> yay, choppers. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my best shot is on the bridge. Uh, it's a similar timing. But it's when Jerry is, the, the view of the smokestacks. Mm. It's a bright, beautiful day. There's, I mean, he's not that old exactly, but like there's some like age lines on his face, like tired from running. And we don't know what those smokestacks represent yet. We haven't seen the picture in his like conspiracy wall of the smokestacks. We didn't know their importance to like, you know, where things happen, where he'd be kept later. Um, and the score changes at that exact moment. It was, it was a cool, like mysterious cause I, I was paying attention to this movie, but when something is presented like that and, and I'm going like, Whoa, we're an hour and 20 in and there's something brand new introduced. What is this? I think it really, uh, reinvigorated me into like you know getting through this movie and you know giving the credit to it I was like, wow that's that was a pretty cool uh moment but maybe greater than a moment an entire scene what is your best scene matt all right i gotta I, again I'm, I'm pretty easy man to please but i thought this the scene where he uh, destroys the apartment that, that had me and uh i thought he did it so smoothly and i assume he only planned to remove himself so the fact that he was able to pull it off with a plus one was all that more impressive. That was cool. Yeah. May, maybe one of the more memorable scenes for someone like I, I, that was something I remembered from when I caught it as a kid, you know? So, uh, yeah. What about you, Chad? I thought when Julia Roberts says, Alice is just wailing on Jerry when he points <laughs> out, like, this is the spot your dad died and you just get, she didn't really get great acting moments, but this was the time where they just said, hey, we've got Julia Roberts, go. And you just get all this rage, yeah. emotion, and despair all together. So I, it was a little bit comedic at a point. Of, I, Mel Gibson probably had some bruises. She was wailing on him. Yeah, and um, I, I believe the line is something along the lines of, like, uh, like you killed my father here in the dirt like an animal mm -hmm. like it was something like that I was like whoa that's powerful for me my best uh, scene was when jerry is introducing his apartment to alice um, I, I thought sort of revealing more space was pretty cool and uh, you got to see him in maybe his comfort zone uh you've got all of this stuff all over the walls you've got his drawings I thought it was a, a cool scene. And you got to see like how he sets up his security when he closes the door, yeah. you know, locks the deadbolt, sets up the beer bottle. So I thought that was a, a great scene. I mean, that's probably his first house guest ever, right? I, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, <laughs> you'd have to assume. All right. Let's go to uh, wardrobe and makeup. What's the best wardrobe or makeup moment, Matt? Uh, I didn't think this was a movie where there's a 
ton of interest in the wardrobe, but that's fair. We we sort of talked about the I thought the taped eyelids uh, just added that element of I think my eyes were watering during that time, so I was starting to feel feel for Jerry there, and then just he's running the, the, just kind of the very cameos right. He's running around in a hospital gown for a while. He's got a he's got a firefighter suit stashed away. So small things, but I appreciate them. Yeah, no, and they 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 deserve the shout out. Uh, Chad, best wardrobe or makeup? Once again, revisiting the fact that I am a simpleton, the bandage for Jonas. <laughs> and once once it's removed, there's really not that much damage to his nose. But when it's on there, and Patrick Stewart's so stern and serious, and it's just a ridiculous scene. So I enjoy the comedy. It almost makes you wonder if he got into a real-life accident during shooting and they had to like, oh, we have to make this make sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for me, it's... Uh, you know, whenever any character is like trying to keep a low profile, usually it's a jacket and baseball cap. And for me, Mel Gibson, uh, Jerry's character in the leather jacket with the Yankees cap. I'm pretty sure Jason Bourne has done it. I know that mm-hmm. Matt Damon did it again in the Adjustment Bureau. Like, it's such a common look. Like, I need to not be noticed. Let me put on the don't notice me outfit right. which should be a tip off to anybody like oh notice that person <laughs> but um yeah i thought that was cool and i i also liked his little uh trick that he pulled by uh attaching the vehicle uh via wire to the hot dog or the fruit stand mm. yeah, that's pretty um, good. like <laughs> yeah but like uh, uh, that was you're right matt not much stands out uh as far as wardrobe in this movie but all right now uh i think you already gave us your change one thing right I, I did. I can give you. I, I've got a backup if we want to keep. If we Let's keep go for rest it. with it. We got time. Let's do it. All right. I found this interesting. So the movie is rated R. Yes. Uh, however, there's no particularly foul language, no nudity or sex scenes, and I guess uh, Donner was trying to argue argue that this should be downgraded to a PG-13. Obviously, he lost. Uh, but maybe that's what we change. Maybe we say, hey, lower that rating. Yeah, it was all due to the interrogation scene, but we just, uh, my wife and I just watched Free Guy last night, and there was a lot more language than what's present in here, and Free Guy got PG-13, and this gets an R just for, I guess, intense torture scenes in 1997. I don't, I don't know, I think you're right, I think now this would get a PG-13. I almost brought that up earlier, and I'm glad you. I'm glad you did too, because it it didn't seem that R to me. Yeah, so that that would make sense. Uh, Chad, what's your change? One thing. I don't know how effective shooting a gun underwater. I I looked at yeah. YouTube videos, and it seems like it loses trajectory very quickly if it works at all. So I thought that was goofy. Give him something that he could stab Jerry with, like. Even if he rips away part of the mop and exposes it, I don't know. Something pointy that he can stab Jerry instead of pulling out a gun underwater and shooting him. There's that big science again. Yes, yes. It's it's big science telling you that shooting a gun upwards in the water is unlikely to work. Yeah, this is one of those things I... I... I don't normally pick apart things like that in movies, but I think this is maybe one of the first times I've seen it in a long time of like of a firearm being effective with water involved. Um, But you know, it's would it have been better to have Jerry kill him with a mop? Yes, maybe. 
<laughs> I'm actually here for it. Uh, my, my change one thing is um, I think the, the, the movie takes a little bit to get going. Um, and I, I think there, you know, here and there, maybe five or six times, uh, there's maybe a little too much time spent on one thing. And so I, I think if we drop kind of the streetwise intro with all of the conspiracy theories, like talking to the, the guys in the cab or talking to whoever his, his people are, like his customers are, we also get a moment where he's like distracted by lights or there's something catches his attention and he nearly kills someone by driving his cab. Like there's, there's time put into things that aren't as important as uh, sort of our main meat of the, of the dish. And so uh, I'd like to get this to a tight two hours, but then again, I think I might say that about any movie. Yeah. Yeah. Editing for Dustin. I, I agree though. And that was a lot of the critics criticism of this movie as well is it's two hours and 15 minutes long and it doesn't necessarily need to be i'll be the dissenting opinion i thought that we got we saw a little bit into the mind of who jerry was sets up the character all right so you want the lord of the rings return of the king extended edition of conspiracy it took the time to film it let's watch it all right all right uh, yeah, then yeah, you should you should love our little shop of horrors episode when we say let's keep the huge plants taking over New York City, which is like ten full minutes. Yes, it's way <laughs> and and good music in there too. That is a much better version. Um, yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to our last superlative here, Matt. What's the best quote in the movie? All right. So uh, this isn't necessarily a quote, but I was amused that Jerry apologizes to everyone he takes out the entire movie. <laughs> Just the politeness of it is kind of absurd. I liked it. This is a very polite uh, Chad, I'm going to skip the line here because my best quote is when he's coming out of the movie theater, he does knock out one of these like assassin hunters and he looks down at him like he's hurt and he looks down and he says, I'm not sorry <laughs> yeah. to that guy. And I thought that was so sick. Yep. Um, so, Chad, give me your best quote now. Yeah, we talked about the dog biting nose arf line, which I thought was great. But another one that came from Julia Roberts is she, she's instructed to lose the tail. She says, that's what a man would do. And I'm not a man. He just quips, I noticed. It's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you did. Well, you know, she she noticed him, too, when when he makes that... When he says that, what is it? It's a you know, it's a turn of phrase or it's a figure of speech. When he says like, "I'm kind of naked back here," um, right? She kind of she peeks behind there, like oh, like like it's it's a it's just a little comedic moment. But yeah, that's that's a good one too. Uh, You're not not gonna look right. <laughs> yeah, regardless of how attractive someone says they're naked in my backseat, I'm turning to confirm that what they're saying and what I'm hearing is connected. Yep. <laughs> Well, that's it for our superlatives. Let's rate this movie, Matt, on a 0.5 to 5-point scale. Uh, Half-star half star increments. What would you rate Conspiracy Theory? All right, I'm going with a solid 4.0. That's fair. Nothing to back that up? Just uh, 4.0, it's a feeling? It's not a feeling. I think the, the movie justified itself. Uh, we we <laughs> talked about character development, and we talked about the uh, the pivotal ending. I think we I think four stars feels right. And this is it makes me think that there's very few four point five and five star movies because this is a top fifteen movie for you. So you are and that's a this is a good thing by the way. I I think that's great is that you know you, you, you keep your ratings to like you know, only few things deserve to be at the top. 
Yeah, I, I, maybe maybe four movies would get a five. So. Wow! Wow! Yeah, All stingy. Right. And this is this is college nostalgia on top of everything else for you as well. Like this hits you at the right point in life. I'm, I'm going to say it's irrelevant at the timing, but maybe okay. I'm biased. Okay. All right. I mean, there are certainly ones that I've had to cop to of saying, hey, this hit me at a special time in my life. And so I am, I look at it and say, I am way overrating this and ju- write me letters later. <laughs> but, fair. That's but, fair. You know, I, I rated Leprechaun as a three and a half. Ooh. Yes, I know. People will uh, write me letters. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to the rest of the episode, uh, audience. <laughs> <laughs> listen to How me about... justify that <laughs> uh chad how about you give me your rating so i gave this a two-star rating I, wow. I, yeah i i thought it was an interesting movie and it's a good turn your brain off type movie i like <laughs> i like that it started off kind of satirical and it turns into this fugitive type film but i, I didn't feel like it was cohesive enough and the the very rapid tone change for me just it threw me off a bit too much so at least on a first viewing it came down as a two for me so wait let me get it straight though so you turned your brain off and you're criticizing that it wasn't cohesive enough just just for the i I did yes yes my my words may not be cohesive either Mm -hmm. like this movie oh i'm gonna go uh with a three star uh, right down the middle i thought this was a unique movie I, i it was now, no matter what our guest says, this movie was written and it had a lot of thought, Whether no matter how minor, but several times throughout the movie. This sort of um, like fast talking, like, easy, like really quick with the quips, uh, little jokes throughout here, tonal shifts throughout. Sometimes a unique movie is something that's like, wow, this really changed this up for me. Like that, that was such an incredible experience to have something new. Or sometimes it's new and it's like, what did I just watch? Uh, and and that's kind of what I got from this. Um, I thought the like the the fast pace of the action when it happened was really really good, almost like wow like the the speed and the quick cuts of like like Mission Impossible or something. And then also there's just kind of some goofiness and love. Uh, it it, it kind of just stuck in the middle. It was a Great viewing, uh, and and I and I enjoyed myself for sure. Um, but I'm not going anything higher than a three point five. This is a three for me. But uh, I, I do think it was worth a watch, especially. I don't think there are many other movies like it. No, that's true. Um, unless you're Chad, who's going to say like, "Well, you got to add Transformers, and you got to add uh, <laughs> uh, Born Identity, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and of course, uh, <laughs> Conspiracy Theory, Invasion of the Body Snatchers." Yes. <laughs> Just gonna yeah. name random um, movies at this point. Baby, Baby's Day Out is very similar. Baby's Day Out, yes, thank you. And uh, he took the bait. <laughs> let's uh, let's pick a movie for next time, Chad. You ready? I'm ready. Option number one: Grumpy Old Men from 1993. A lifelong feud between two neighbors since childhood only gets worse when a new female neighbor moves across the street. Option two: The Old Man and the Sea, 1958. An old Cuban fisherman's dry spell is broken when he hooks a gigantic fish that drags him out to sea. And option number three, No Country for Old Men, 2007. Violence and mayhem ensue after a hunter stumbles upon a drug deal gone wrong and more than $2 million in cash near the Rio Grande. What should we do, Chad? 
That is a lot of old men, but I am going with the No Country for Old Men from 2007. I've seen it once and it's been on my list to revisit, so let's do that one. Awesome. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm a fan. I'll go ahead and tell you. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, Matt, it was uh, very nice for you to suggest this movie because I really do think it's like a one-of-a-kind kind of movie. Uh, thanks so much for being on with us. Dustin, Chad, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's great to see new movies. So a lot of times we get retreads and things like that. When this was suggested, Dustin pounced on it. He's like, let's do conspiracy theory. It's got Julia Roberts and we're required. Attraction. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> we're gonna find another wheelchair movie to cover. Uh, <laughs> Little did we time. know. So, yes. <laughs> so thank you once again, Matt, and thank you all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. Producing and providing this podcast is fun, but not free. We invite you to support the show at our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash retromovieroundtable. Any contribution is much appreciated and will go towards making the show better for you, the listeners. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Chad? Who watches The Watchmen?